Hey, Flatters. Uh, hey, I'm, I am excited and nervous about uh, uh, this part two of this marriage and divorce thing that we opened up last week. Before I get into that, I'm also really excited to give a shout out to Burlington, Colorado, over in eastern Colorado. We're all linked together, and, and what they're doing over there in Burlington is amazing. So shout out to you all over there who are listening live this weekend. The other thing is I'm really happy about my new shirt. Um, so this is a new Flatiron shirt that's coming out. Um, it's going to be available at all of our campuses. Sometime between now and Christmas, they're all on order and back order. And, and, uh, and so those will be available. And, and when we run out uh, after Christmas, we'll be able to act, you'll be able to get online on our website and order these no matter where you are in the world. So all you listening in China, you can order one of these as well. I'm excited about that. Um, hey, I want to jump into this um, uh, and kind of catch everybody up if you weren't here last week. And again, if you weren't here last week, this is part two. And, and so let me bring you up to speed, but go back and listen to, uh, to uh, the, this like part one of, of looking at what Jesus has to say about marriage and divorce. And let me put some context to it. In the, in the past several months, we've been working our way through this famous talk uh, that Jesus gave on the side of a hill um, called the Sermon on the Mount. And he starts it by announcing that it is now possible for regular, like normal, imperfect, and, and the, the Hebrew word there uh, is anawim, like throwaway people, people who made so many mistakes. It is now possible for people like us to live our lives in this thing called the kingdom of the heavens. And what he means by that is it's possible for us to live everyday life together in a with God friendship, ongoing conversational relationship with, with Jesus, like not after we die and go somewhere else, but in this life, which I'll be honest, that's not how I was raised. Uh, and, and it's what many of us, or, or I don't even say most of us, we never really considered that possibility actually being a normal reality for people like us in our daily lives. That's for saints or you know, people in the Bible or something like that. But Jesus says this, is that access to living in the kingdom and having that kind of kingdom life, Jesus says, it's now, it's near, it's available, the doors are wide open, it's closer than, than we ever thought possible. And so he says, in, in light of that, you might, you might want to rethink um, everything, you might want to repent, rethink how you think about everything, not just about what you're doing, you know, all day long in your everyday life, but, but go deeper, and that's the theme in this, go deeper, like, like, like why you're doing it. Like, like what's going on on the inside because what you're doing on the outside is just an overflow of the kind of person that you really are on the inside, right? And we would all agree with that. So, but, but here's, here's a, kind of a, some aha moments for some of us. You know, when it comes to like, what we believe, what, what you actually do on the outside, it reveals what you actually believe to be true on, on the inside, right? Um, what, what you actually do how you treat people, how you, and what we're doing, how you approach marriage, how you approach kids, all that um, actually reveals what you're holding on to and what you believe to be true on the inside. Um, we, we always define faith as, this is how we say it around here, I, I believe that God is who he says, I believe that Jesus is who he says he is, and he will keep every promise that he's ever made. And I believe that's a great working definition of faith. I believe that Jesus is who he says he is, and he'll keep every promise to me. But I, I think if you really want to push into it, a better definition of faith would really be this, faith is living your life and making choices and decisions that reflect your level of confidence, that reflect what you believe. I, I'm gonna live my life and I'm gonna make choices and I'm gonna do things as, as a reflection that I actually believe that God is who he says he is and will keep every promise that he has made to you. I'm, I'm gonna do that. The half-brother of Jesus, Mary had some other kids, and G, uh, one of his brothers, his name is James, he writes this later, and I'll paraphrase it, he actually says this, he says, you, Watch what I do, and then you'll see what I believe. And that's true. I mean, because that, that's why we go, well, that's hypocrisy, because you say you believe something, but you're doing something different over there. Absolutely. 
right? But the way that Jesus turns this whole thing like upside down is uh, he says, I'm not, I'm not going to focus. I'm not going to just concentrate on what we're doing on the outside, on our outward behaviors. Here's what I want to do. I want to dig into what's going on in a person's heart that, that's overflowing in the choices and, and, and the actions that, that keep falling on our lives and the most important people in our lives. What's going on on the inside? And, and, and he's con- contrasting religion with, with this better kingdom way. Re- religion says, oh yeah, we care about what's going on in a person's heart, but really, if you really wanna know what somebody cares about um, or pays attention to, it's, it's what they measure, right? And religion really just pays attention to behaviors. Do that, don't do that, keep the rules. Do that right and you're a good person. If you break that rule, then you're a bad person. And that's what Jesus always says. Okay, you can approach it like this. Just do not murder and don't say bad things about people and don't have sex outside of marriage uh, and, and what, what's going on in a person's heart. Jesus says, I, I want to look at that. Right? It's not just about obey the rules about divorce. Jesus comes along and he says, time out. What's going on in a person's heart? And this is the metaphor we're using. Like way upstream that's been going on in a person's heart and kind of flowing downstream that ended up landing in all the, well, that's why that got murdered, and that's why I said that about that person, and that's why I got divorced, right? And, and then last week, um, we looked at this. Why are, you, why are you more concerned about the rules, about how do I get out of a marriage? Why, 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 why do you care so much about that? How about paying attention to this? What kind of person do I want to be or need to become so that I can actually build and experience a marriage that, that reflects this good thing that God designed and intended for me and my, and my spouse to, to experience? He actually says it's very good. It's possible for you to experience. Why, why don't we look at that as opposed to when can I get out of this? And so, so here's where we landed last week when Jesus was asked that question. So how can I consider myself a good person because I want to get a divorce. When can I get a divorce? And, and, and Jesus has this tendency to answer questions with another question, right? So you want to know when you get a divorce? Here's, a, here's his response. Well, haven't you read? It's right there in the Bible, he replied. At the beginning, the creator made them male and female and said, for this reason, and the reason is because is God, God says this works well. This works best in, in reality. So, so for that reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. Haven't you read that? So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, if all that's true, what God has joined together, let no one separate. And so the question that Jesus asks is, when can a person get divorced? And Jesus responds, well, haven't you read what God said about marriage? What marriage is created and meant to be and and to give you and provide for you and protect you from? Way back in the beginning, and, and then Jesus, he, he, he paints this picture. He describes this, this relationship that, that reflects something bigger and higher than, than two people who, like, I don't know, we met in a bar and we kind of had this emotional connection and it lasted for a season, so we got married and then emotions changed and then circumstances changed and then we didn't feel it anymore and so we broke up and then we moved on and we tried to have that with somebody else and then we repeated the same thing over and over and over. And Jesus says, there's something bigger that you're missing. There's something bigger that we're more important, deeper, that marriage was meant to actually kind of kind of provide for us and, and to paint a picture of what's really going on. Jesus, Jesus described marriage as one man, and that's the Hebrew, they're masculine, being spiritually and physically joined, and the, the Hebrew word is actually glued. So one man being glued to one woman, the Hebrew is feminine, right? Glued together by God in a new, so they were two, and they're gonna become this new thing. A new, permanent, lifelong, two becoming one, this new creation. And really, if you really want to dig into it, it's three becoming one. Me, Robin, and, and, the, and the Spirit of God joining us into this new thing. And it's modeled after the Trinity. 
right? Uh, of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the reality of this Trinity, three in one. And what does the Trinity do? Hopefully the same thing Robin and I are trying to do as well, provide and protect one another out of love, having this intimacy and, and knowing and knowing one another and being known, mutually submitting, just like serving one another to accomplish what needs to be done. And so that's, that's, that's the picture. That's like, that's the vision. That's the goal of marriage. But we also looked at this, the biggest threat, right? The biggest threat to any and every marriage is a hard heart. It's not pornography. It's not affairs. It's not addiction. It's not emotions. It's, it's a hard heart. And so we ended with, with this questions or th- these questions that go like this. Well, what would make a person's heart become hard? Right? What, what would make my heart get hard that I would actually say, I don't want to do this anymore? And, and it's the same list that Jesus has been working through because what he's been teaching is this, and then that leads to this, that leads to this, and this builds on this. So what would make my heart really become hard? How about anger? And, and anger in itself is not, is not a wrong thing. Anger is actually a good thing. Um, he's talking about unresolved I'm not, I don't want to deal with it. Um, I, I just stuff it and it festers. I, I try to push it down. I repress it. I deny it. But what I'm finding is it comes out sideways, that kind of anger. And whenever we, we do that with anger, we don't deal with anger, just let it build up. He says it, it always leads to this thing called contempt. And uh, contempt is this, is um, I'm really angry with you and I want to do something to you. So in order to do that, I'm going to redefine my wife or you're going to redefine your husband, whatever that is. Um, even, even I'm going to redefine what marriage is ought to be and and what marriage ought to feel like and what marriage ought to do, even though it's different than what God says that it's meant to do. And the reason I'm going to do that is because I want to do something, but I have to step away from God and I have to step away from Robin and go do something different with somebody else and I'll get divorced. So that's where it always goes. So, So rather than argue about when am I allowed to get a divorce, the answer is anytime you want, I guess. But but the better question might be this, what would need to change in my heart, all right? I'm only responsible for my heart, all right? But what would would need to change in my heart to give myself and and my spouse, and if you're 15 years old, this is all prep work so that you actually have a spouse, and, and maybe you have the greatest chance of experiencing a marriage that reflects what God originally defined as very good. What would need to change in me to give us a chance to experience this very good life? called Mary's, and that's what, G- that's what Jesus called it. So what needs to happen, and the three words I left off with last week were, were this, vision, intent, strategy. Vision, intent, strategy. You have to have all three, and if you leave one of them out, it doesn't, doesn't change a thing. Um, wh- like, let me ask you, what, what is the vision for your marriage, or the marriage you want to have, or the marriage you're in, and even though it's falling apart, what, what is the vision for your marriage? If, if you could have that, and here's the conversations, but I don't think I can have that, or it's too late for us. Okay, t- time out. All right, if it was possible, if you could have that kind of marriage, what kind of marriage do you want to experience? And does that vision that you're thinking about, I want, I want to live this kind of life with this person, does it line up with and agree with what God designed and defined marriage to be? And if so, go for it. That's why we're here, right? But, but some of us have like put up a white flag or, or settled and... Uh, here's our vision. It's better than being alone. The vision for my marriage is it's better than being alone. Or how about this? This is, this is as far as the vision for, for our, our marriage has gotten. I don't know. I met her. She liked me. I liked her. I dig her. She's pretty cool. We, how about this? We've been together so long. Everybody said that that's what we should do. It just seemed like the right thing to do. So we got married. Some of us have even said this. I don't know. I felt sorry for her. 
So I married her. Or how about this? He was a mess, but I thought I could change him and fix him. Okay. Go for it. How's it working? Let me throw out some ideas that God throws out there going, would, would you think about having this kind of vision? How about, how about a vision that looks like this? A man and a woman joined together, reflecting different attributes of God in their own unique ways. I bring stuff to the table, Robin brings stuff to the table, and we combine them and we complement one another, right? And here's what we're going to do with that. We're going to create something new that couldn't be achieved without the other. I'm not saying you're half a person if you're not married. I'm saying that when you join together and bring your unique you know, giftness together, something new happens. When two become one. See, this is really, really important, okay? Marriage is not about giving up your unique identity or giving up your individuality. That would be the worst thing I could ever ask Robin to do. What, what, what marriage is, is I'm going to make a choice. I could live by myself. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to give up my independence, my isolation, my identity. All right, I, I, I'm, gonna, I'm choosing to give up living in isolation. I'm not going to give up my identity. I'm not going to give up my uniqueness. I'm going to give up living my life in isolation. How about that for a vision? How, how about this for a vision? A marriage where the glue that holds us together is the presence of and the reliance on and the trust in the God who is the center of each of our own personal hearts joining together to pursue God together. So she has God in the middle of her heart. I have God in the middle of my heart. And together, we're going to run after God together. How about this for a vision? A marriage that is built on knowing and being known. Like no secrets, truthfulness and honesty, intimacy on all levels, right? The, the, the biblical term for that, Adam and Eve had it in the garden. We were, they were naked and unashamed. This is all of me. And I'm not embarrassed and I'm not hiding and, and, and I am fully known. There's one person that knows me and loves me anyway. How about this? Uh, a vision, uh, a marriage focused on serving one another and submitting to one another. Not she should do this, right? We'll get to that in a minute, all right? Focus on serving and submitting to one another. Why would you do that? To accomplish something greater in, in this confidence that my spouse's intentions and actions to, to, will always be for the good of the other. Mine will, Robin knows that anything I do is going to be for her good, and I know that whatever Robin does is for my good, even at my own cost. I'm willing to lay down some rights so that Robin thrives, and it's modeled after the way that Jesus loves and serves me. I want to love Robin like that. And Robin's trying to love me like that. Now, that, that's vision. I would say that's a good vision. And I think all of us would go, yeah, that's awesome, all right? But the, the, the question that you have to ask yourself is, as good as that is, um, how about this? Is that what I want for my own life? Is that what I want for my marriage? And, and again, don't have those conversations going, but it's too late for us, and I'll never have that, and I'm so jacked up, and she's blah, blah, blah. No, no. So, so if, if you're honest, you'd go, yeah, yeah, of course I want that. Yeah, me too. I think every human being would go, yeah, I'd love to have a marriage like that. But just saying that, that you want that, that's not enough. That, that would be like me asking you, um, if you could go any place on the planet, visit any place that you've always wanted to go, where would that be? And your answer would be, and I'm just going to pick this at random, all right, um, you know, I've always wanted to go to Rome. I, me too. I've seen the movies, you know, gladiator movies and all that kind of stuff, and seen the pictures of the Vatican and stuff like that. Um, I, I would love to go to Rome too, Me, right, right? Rome is there. Rome exists, right? It's, it's, it's in Italy, right? You're not there right now. You're here. That's just philosophy, I guess, all right? The, the question is, um, are you, how about this? Um, what needs to be done, and are you willing or not willing to do what it takes to get to Rome, and we're really talking about marriage here. You understand that, right? 
Are you willing to do what it takes? And, 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 and that, that basically, are, do you want, do you actually, have you decided that's what I want? Because that's called intent, right? Intent. Do you intend to go for it? Do you intend to go to Rome or just dream about it? See, you can dream about it, pray about it, sing songs about it. Um, and that's all good and important, you know, to, to watch movies about it and, and, and write about it, whatever that is, all right? Um, it doesn't change anything. So I, I, I've always had this vision for going to Rome and I'm going to do it. Okay, you're not there. So what is your strategy? What is your, and again, we're not talking about Rome. We're talking about marriage. Everybody's still with me, right? right? So, so what do you mean, my strategy? What, what are you willing to do? What are you willing to change? What do you always say, you know, in order to get to Rome, i got to stop doing that and i got to start doing that, which would allow me one day to actually end up looking around going, I'm in Rome. And so this, this is what we're going to do today. Um, it's like pic- picture what we're going to talk about like, like a map. All right? And so, right, there's Rome. or there's, there's this awesome marriage that I want to experience. That's the destination. It's right there, and I'm back here. So what is my strategy? What is my path? What steps do I need to, to begin taking, like, now, so that one day I'm there in the future? See, again, and we talked about this last week. Now, everything in our life that's happened so far is upstream, and we can't change it. We can, we can learn from it and we can be forgiven for it, but today, we're as upstream as we can possibly be, and everything after you get up out of this chair in a few minutes, everything that comes after this moment is downstream, and whatever this stream goes will lead to whatever your marriage will be that you end up with. It will end in, this is my family, this is my marriage. So what needs to happen now so that I end up down there? See, again, we have, we have to start with reality, all right? This is deep. However, however you got here in this marriage, in this life, with these memories, with these you know, scars, with these wounds, with these, whatever that is, with this baggage, whatever it is, all right, however you got here, this is where you are. And you can say, I don't, I, but I don't want to be here. But you are. Well, this isn't the way I thought I would end up. But, but this is how it ended up. And so you have to say, okay, I have to face reality. This is where I am right now. But everything that comes next downstream, every step from this point on, I, I, I'm, I have to make a choice and a decision, intent, all right? And whatever I do from this point on will either take me closer to Rome or away from Rome. So you say you want to, you say you want to go to Rome. You say you want to, you want to, I want to, I want to experience that, that marriage that Jesus described as very good. Well, okay, me too. So what will it take to get there? And when do you want to start moving in that direction? How about this? What, what map do you plan on following? Do you just plan to wander around and go, and maybe I'll land in Rome? It probably won't happen. And, and along the way, there will be obstacles. So what are you going to do when you run into obstacles between here and there? Let's even get more specific. Let's really, really hone it down. Because all this is like metaphorical. Like, how about this? Um, so let's say you're married, or you're going to get married in a year, or, or whatever it is. What do you want your marriage to look like one year from now? I know what it is right now. You know what it is right now. My marriage is this is reality. A year from now, my vision is this is my marriage. Five years from now, 10 years from now, or how, let's just go big, right? 50 years from now, I, I want to be married to her. And, and I want our marriage, to, I want to look back on 50 years of marriage, and, and these are the things that I want to experience. So how, how do I get that? Well, you start there and you reverse engineer all the way back. That's what we're going to be talking about when we come back from Christmas. We're going to reverse engineer back what needs to start happening now to make that possible. I can say, you know, well, I don't think I can hit that. Okay, then you probably won't. Or that's, I keep going for that and I keep missing it. 
That's not the problem this is. What needs to change here? So what do I need to start doing now? Not all at once, but between here and there. What are, what are the must-haves? What, what, what are the mile markers between here and there? Or how about this? It, it's a many miles away. Okay, but I have to start somewhere. So what's one step I could take? See, in the most important things of life, the hardest things in life, but the most important things in life, it's, it's all the same, okay? For example, parenting, right? The same kind of, uh, kind of rules or, or laws or principles are, are in place. Um, here's what I mean by that. And as a youth pastor and then as a parent, I, I, I've experienced this and I've seen it a lot, all right? Um, we all know this, all right? You cannot cram, you can't cram everything you want to do with your kid in that week right before they leave for college. But we have this panic, all right, the second semester of their senior year or the month leading up to their marriage and going, oh, oh, I said when I had a kid I wanted to do this and this and this and this and then they're gonna, they're gonna graduate and they're gonna go off or they're gonna get married or they're gonna go in the military, whatever that is, and then you try to cram it all in in one week and it just doesn't work. No, you have to say they're leaving at a certain date in history. I'm getting married, uh, I'm gonna, whatever, in a certain date in history. And I got to come back here and I go, okay, I, I, I have to start in that direction. And just like everything else, it's just usually one little thing, one little thing. And along the way, there's some big things, some big events. But every day, it's just step after step after step after step. And then they graduate and they're gone. Step after step after step after step. And then they get married and then they're gone. Step after step after step. And then we've been married 50 years. Right? So... I've been, I've been listening to a podcast. I'm so trendy. Uh, I, I, I kind of boycotted them, and then I started listening to a few of them, and now I'm kind of addicted, all right? But one of my favorite uh, uh, kind of personalities out there that's doing a lot of podcasts is this guy named Jordan Peterson. Uh, he's a clinical psychologist out of the University of Toronto, um, but, but he's, he counsels people. That that's, has been his, like, main uh, occupation. And what he says is this, is that in counseling, and if you've been in counseling or therapy like I have, all right, um, we've seen this, that the job of a good counselor is not to solve your problem for you. A good counselor doesn't say, you know, tell you what that you're supposed to do. I mean, there are counselors that do that, but the, the best thing that a good counselor or a good teacher, and, and this is what I want to try to do today, because we see Jesus do this a lot, all right, is, is this. He comes up to the, you know, the, the client, the, the student, the disciple, the follower, and, and tries to say, can you articulate your goal? What's your vision? What do you want to happen? Where do you want to end up? And then what's interfering with that? What is the problem? And then not solve the problem, but give them the skills and the tools and the language so that they, they can address the problem and that they can solve it and then continue on towards the goal. Because after they're not in counseling anymore, there's going to be another problem, right? See, Jesus isn't going to simply tell us what to do. He's going to teach us and give us the skills and the right questions so that we can look at what's going on in front of us and, and we can solve it because we know, we know what to do now. He's going to ask questions like this uh, to get us on track with our vision. What kind of person do you want to be? We have to answer that question. He's going to ask us things like this. Um, what kind of life or what kind of marriage do you want to experience? Most of us haven't really thought about that, which is why we stumble into marriage and then make it up as we go. Or how about this? What, what's going on in your own heart or your life that would increase your chances of having that good marriage and that good life? Also along that, what's going on in your own heart or life that would actually decrease your chances? I got some stuff in there, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to interfere with my marriage. I might want to pay attention to that, which leads me to this question, okay? If that's true, what are you willing to address and change? Because some of us are going, I'm, I'm not going to change. Okay, it's going to interfere with your marriage. 
All right, let's just keep on pushing into it. He's going to ask us questions like this. What do you need to do different? Not what does she do or he, you, all right? What do you need to do different or new from now on? Because we can't change upstream. We just have from here on. But what do I need to do different or better to move towards the goal? And this is that whole spiritual formation thing we've been talking about, right? Is that I've been holding on to this and doing it like this for a reason, but now it's not really working for me. And I want something better. And Jesus says, this is possible. I'm going to let go of this. I'm going to do something different. Followed by, when, when are you going to do that? When are you willing to start preparing and moving towards that goal? Well, someday? Yeah, but nothing gets done. So here's what I want to do for the rest of our time together. You know, I mentioned that I started listening to this podcast by Jordan Peterson, um, but that led me to start reading a book. It's like one of the, an international bestseller right now. Um, it's called uh, 12 Rules for Life. It's a really good book. It's, you need a dictionary, but... But anyway, where he's kind of laying out some, some big rocks for behaviors and, and interacting with people around you uh, to, to, to actually experience a good life. And he's so intelligent and uh, articulate. And I just, I get smarter just reading his book. But I, I, couldn't, I can't ever do that. And I'm not going to try to be Jordan Peterson. But I, as I'm looking at that, and I knew what I was going to be talking about today, um, I had this idea. Um, and my plan is kind of like this. Um, I, I've never written a book about this. I might. Who knows? Let's see how this goes. But um, uh, the rest of this, if it were in a book form, I would entitle that book 15, <laughs> 15 Rules for Marriage that have helped Jim and Robin stay married for 34 and a half years and, and counting. 15 rules that have kept Robin and I on track. Meaning this, um, so we started together back in 1984, that cute little couple right there, hairy couple right there, uh, and then this is 2018. So, so the question is, what are the rules or what are like the, the, the guardrails, what are the laws or principles you know, Jim and Robin anyway, that have said, okay, this has kind of kept us on the road to get to where we need to be and, and if they weren't in place, um, something very different might have happened. So, so kind of what, what laws and principles have you all been operating by? All right. And again, you hear rules and laws. The biblical pur purpose of, of rules and laws is to provide the best environment for something to, to flourish and experience what God meant it to experience. And also the, the rules and laws are also to protect it, my, my marriage to Robin, to protect it from anything and anyone that might try to damage or take it away from us. And in this case, it even applies to us. What might I do that would actually steal something from Robin? What, 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 what would Robin do that would actually steal something from me and then I don't get experience or she doesn't get experience all that God has to say? Now, listen, I am not saying that the, you should adopt these rules. I'm not saying that if you take on Jim and Robin's 34, you know, 16 rules for 34, you, you'll have 34 years of, uh, of marriage, all right? I, I'm not even saying that they will directly apply to you and your situation, all right, specifically. So, so don't write me that email. But I will say this, and I'll stand by it. The truth and the intent... And the heart behind every rule that I'm about to put up there, they will apply to all of us because they agree with what God says is true. And they agree and try to provide and protect the thing that God is trying to provide and protect so that Rob and I can experience. Now, everything I'm about to say to you, I've not done any of it perfectly. Neither has Robin, so we are not an expert on this. I'm just throwing out 15 things that we've learned in 34 and a half years, and we didn't do it for some of the years, and then we, then we figured some stuff out, and now this is a rule. So what I'm about to give you are rules that have been imperfectly practiced and mostly learned by uh, uh, doing it wrong and then trying to figure out how to get back on track. So, so not an expert, 
uh, a fellow learner with you, okay? I have six different areas of life. This is the time where, um, where I'm going to go really fast, and I'm not going to really expound a lot on all of them. Uh, I would in- uh, really encourage you to do this, uh, and this is where I'm going to end in just a few minutes, but um, it- get in a group. If you don't have a group, find some friends to get together and go through these 15 things and just see where it lands with you. I agree. I disagree. That's true. That's not true. You know, I think Jim's from outer space. Uh, I think this would actually work better. Okay, great. So here's six areas of life broken into 15 rules that have helped Robin and I make it this far and counting. The first one is, you're going to expect is communication, all right? Communication. So as we're interacting with each other in good times and mostly communication is really the biggest factor is when things aren't good, right? Um, so, so here's the first rule um, between the two of us. Never, ever, ever, ever lie, ever. And you can lie in two different ways. You can outright lie or you can just leave some stuff out. It's the same thing. I'm not going to tell you the whole truth. So truth is the key here, okay? Uh, God is truth. His word is truth. We speak truth. And when we speak something that's not true, it breaks everything, right? Right? You can trust each other, tell one lie, and it may take years to regain that trust. So never, ever, ever lie. But what might happen? I'll tell you what. Something really, really hard might happen. It, It won't be as bad as when you find out that you got lied to. Okay? Never, ever, ever lie. Got it? Take a picture. I'm going to move on. Got it? Second one is this. Um, You have to take responsibility for your own sins and your own mistakes rather than play the victim all the time. Right? When, when, when When you're having a conflict, blaming somebody else's actions as the cause for, well, I couldn't help it. It's not my fault. And if you'd done what you were supposed to do, then I wouldn't have to done what I was supposed to do. Listen, that's not true. That's not true. What they did may be a reason. What you did is just not an excuse. You can never point at somebody else's you know, life and say, that is why I had to sin. It's not true. It's not true. So you have to take responsibility. And responsibility is going to come up a lot in this because the key descriptive word of an adult is I take responsibility for my good stuff and also for my bad stuff. And I'm not going to blame everybody else or play the victim of what people have done to me. It just doesn't help a marriage, right? So those are our first two things, all right? In terms of communication, there's a bunch more. It could be its own series. I'm moving on. The second one, of course, would be in the area of sex. Ta-da, this is why we have kids ministry. But this is going to be kind of profound. And actually, I've been married for 34 years, and it's just recently that I've kind of figured some stuff out in this crazy, awesome thing, all right? So when it comes to sex, here's, here's some learnings for me, all right? Um, ask for what you want or hope for, and then be thankful if you get it, all right? And when you don't get it, you don't shut down and go passive-aggressive. Ask for what you want or, what's the word there? Hope. And hope's really, 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 really important. I have hopes, I have dreams, and I have wants, okay? That's not anything bad, okay? Let me look at this next rule, and it kind of compares it. The next rule would be this. Don't demand what you, what, expect, and then punish them when it doesn't happen. We're really good at this. I have hopes, I have wants, I have dreams, and I'm asking for something. But when I walk in and I demand what I expect you to do for me, it, it, you may get it. It won't, it, won't, it won't work well. And it will, in the long game, um, it, it will backfire you, on you every time. Now, ask for what you want and hope for. Don't demand. Here, here's a learning aha moment for me. And this is through my crucible work uh, in this men's uh, uh, group, in my soul group that I've identified over, over the last four, four years. Um, a lot of times... Um, I, 
I tend, and I think my intentions are good, I really do, is that if Robin is in a certain place in depression or, or physically or whatever that is, um, I, in my mind, in order to serve her or not pressure her or something like that, I will actually shut down part of my life, part of my uh, sexuality, part of my whatever that is, and go, I, I, I should just... I should just, you know, put that away or something like that. But what I find is that when I shut down that part of my life, I shut down more than I intended to shut down. And in doing that, I've redefined who I am, and I've also refined who she is and, our, our, and, our, and what our marriage is. I, I'm no longer her husband. I'm her buddy, or I'm her nurse, or I'm her caretaker. And I, and I would do all of that for her. But I'm doing it, and I'm shutting down a very important part of of, of who I am and, and what, I, what I hope for in this marriage. And so what I found through doing it wrong a lot is, I, and I sat down with Robin and I said, I'm gonna ask and I'm gonna, I'm gonna say I, would, I want this and I have a hope for this. And when the answer comes back, no, okay, but it's still there. And I, I understand and I'm not gonna demand anything, but I'm not shutting down this part of my life because I'll shut down too much and we'll pay for it. Does that make sense? Okay, so, so communication, uh, especially in the area of, of sex, you've got to talk through that, all right? Uh, the other thing that probably is the most stressful thing in a marriage would be our children, right? Our, our children, I mean, they're worth it most of the time, but, but sometimes, I mean, they just stress us out. So here's a couple rules that Robin and I have found work really well when you have kids in the house, all right? The first one would be this, um, uh, never side with your children against your spouse, in front of your children. Now, there are times when Robin and I and the family were having a discussion and the kids want to do something and I want to do something, Robin wants to do something, and, and I, I can look across you know, the room and, and Robin is telling me, Jim, you're, wrong, you're way off on this. And I can look at her and go, Robin, she's not, she has a good point here, okay? That's all true. The worst thing I could ever do is go, Robin, you're wrong. Allie, you're, you're absolutely right. I don't know what mom's thinking, all right? No, we call a timeout and go, can I talk to you in the other room? And that's not lack of integrity, and that's not living our lives in secret. There's some things that, that we are between the two of us, and, and that leads to the, this, this next one. N never undermine your spouse to your kids, and never use your children as counselors. I see this especially when marriage is going really, really rough, and we put our kids in the middle, and we make them pick sides, or we actually ask them to counsel us about our marriage. That's not fair. What you're asking them to do is, will you side with me against your mom? Will you, will, you, will, you, will you back me up with your dad? That's not fair. It's not fair. And, and it's, it's, it's really abusive. They're, they're children, and you're an adult, and, and, and you have, you, this is between the two of you, all right? And don't put your children in the middle of that, and don't undermine your spouse in front of them, all right? They need to see unity. They need to see conflict worked out healthily, but, but they don't need to see uh, us Pairing each other against them. Because kids are, they're smart and evil, <laughs> right? Meaning this, they're so smart, they can look at it and go, do the math. I know how I can win, get what I want. All I have to do is, is, is kind of pit them against one another, and I win. But everybody loses. Make sense? Okay, here's the, the, the fourth one would be this, in the area of spirituality. Um, and every time I'm going to talk about spiritual uh, rules and laws, I, I'm going to look at the, the husband and the father first. Because that's what Jesus does. See, so please, please hear this, okay? I hear so many men. We talked about this last week. I, I don't know where the Bible verse is. It's somewhere in the Bible, and I don't know exactly how it goes. But it's something to just of uh, the husband is the boss. He's the head. He has the authority. And now everybody has to do what I want because I'm king of the house, right? L listen, hear this 
husbands and fathers, um, here's the rule. If you have to play the card, I'm the spiritual head of this house, and you play that card in order to force your wife or kids to do something, it's probably not true. What? That you're the spiritual head of the house, right? How can you say that? Jesus, Jesus is the head of the universe. And he took on flesh and he came to serve those he loved, right? Not once, not once do you find Jesus walking into a room, pulling out his Jesus, I'm God and I'm in charge of the universe card, throwing it on the table and telling everybody to get in line and do what I tell you to do because I'm the head and I'm the boss. No, he, he led in a different way, which would be this next rule, which is this. You must lead by example rather than directives in all the areas of your life. If you want to have spiritual authority over your family, you lead by example, right? You are the spiritual thermostat of your home. You are. Well, you, you, can't, you can't stand before Jesus and goes, hey, I entrusted you with this wife and, and these children, so did you point them towards me? And, and you can't look back and go, that really wasn't my deal, and I didn't know a lot about it, and so I, I sent them off to a private school, or I sent them to youth group at Flatirons, or that's kind of their mom's thing, and I just thought she would get it done. No, no. You're the spiritual thermostat of your home. You lead the way to church. You get up everybody out, out of bed. You say, no, we're not going to do all those things if it excludes the more important things spiritually. Uh, you, you lead the example in how we spend our money. You lead the example of the things that we entertain ourselves with, the things on our TV, the movies that we go. You set the example of that. This is the language we use. This is how we speak to one another. This is how you speak to your mom. This is how you don't speak to your mom. This is how we use alcohol. This is how we abuse, abuse alcohol. Now, now listen to this. And then when you make a mistake, and we will all make a mistake, you take responsibility for your mistakes, and then you correct them and adjust them in front of your family moving forward. I hear this all the time. Well, I, you know, I've screwed up my life so much, there's no way I could talk to my kids about what they ought to do with spirituality or what they ought to do with their life. No, no, no. No, you have not abdicated You've not abdicated your role in their life because you made a mistake. The only point where you abdicate your, your, your authority is when you abdicate responsibility. And then that's when you lose. All right? So spiritually, that, that, yeah, th th these are the rules that have to be in place. I cannot blame Robin for the lack of spiritual direction in, in our home. I have to take responsibility for that. Right? The, the other big, big area that I have to look at would be money. All right, money, money would be listed as the, the biggest stressor. It's listed in almost every divorce uh, as one of the, the big stressors that, 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 that kind of freaked us out because we were always fighting about money. But really, money was really about a bunch of other stuff. So I'm going to throw out a couple of rules here that Robin have applied in our life. And if it works for you, great. If it doesn't work for you, but, uh, and this is going to be pretty controversial in 2018, but this is what we found works for us. It makes sense. Um, if two become one... If Robin and I left our, our, our isolation aside and now we are one, um, it just makes sense that you have one bank account together, right? I make all the money. Robin doesn't have a job. I can't say, I don't know if I want to give you my money. It's not my money because we're one. And I know, I know this is flying in the face of a lot of us because we're sitting there going, well, uh, so we have this prenuptial. Okay, so when you have a prenup, this is my opinion. This isn't in the Bible. I think the foundational truth is, though, um, the reason you have a prenuptial agreement is because you're assuming that this isn't going to work. It's kind of like co-signing for a, a loan. The bank makes you do that because they know your kid's not going to pay for the car, so, Dad, you have to pay for it, right? So when you, when, you, when you say, I have a prenup, what you're saying is, I don't trust you. Let's, let, let's just call it out. 
If you don't trust the person you're going to marry with your money, don't marry them. Right? If, if you're not willing to say, hey, listen, we are one, unless you do this and then I want my stuff back, don't marry them. I'm not saying that's what you ought to do. It just seems to line up with what marriage is meant to be. Keep on going with money because that's really awkward and people are staring at me. Uh, make, agree, and execute a financial plan together on our money. What do we want to do with our money? Where do we want to point it? What is our goal together in money? How are we going to spend money? What, what are we going to do in these kind of circumstances, right? And then regularly review that together and then go, okay, we're out of bounds here or help me understand this over here and then bring it back accordingly together, right? I, that doesn't matter if who makes the money, if she makes money, more money than you. Together you come together and go, this is our money and our life. Where are we going to point it together? That's just, that's just oneness. And here's, here's a big one. This is going to sound like, well, you're saying it because you're the pastor. No, because I didn't do it for a long time. But here's what I would say is going to keep your money in, in, in the right perspective. Tied to your local church. I'm just saying it. If this is your church, you should prioritize money in your life towards the things that God's doing here. And if you don't trust this place, you should find some place that you do trust. Because when you tie to your local church, you, you assure margin in your life. If you're saying, I'm going to take uh, 10%, my first 10% off of my income, and I'm going to point it towards the things of God, you're now in a mindset of margin is carved into my life for the things that are important. I maintain correct priorities because this, there are some things that always come first. And it's a safeguard against greed. If, if you say, okay, I'm always gonna put God first, then you have guaranteed, and Jesus says this a lot, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Well, where does greed come from? A heart that got hard and selfish. So what is the antidote to a, a selfish heart? Generosity, right? So what should you be generous towards? The things of God. Where, where what is, what is, what is the, the place that's feeding you spiritually? The biblical is your local church. So Robin and I, we tithe 10% or more back to Flatirons because we, one of us, we agree with Flatirons and what God's doing here, but also because what it does for us. It brings unity and purpose and goals. It keeps our priorities in line and it keeps us out of debt because we, we, we have a plan. So of all those things, all the things are going to come up there, um, it's going to lead to this, this area, conflict and arguments. Listen, I don't care if you're, you know, the, the best couple in the whole world and you're in love and, and we agree on everything. There's going to come a time in your life where you go, now we have a problem. Now we have a problem. And you're going to fight. Especially, you know, in, in those first few years of your marriage, you're going to fight, fight, fight because you've never done this before. You've never seen this before and you've never come out on the other side of it before. So when you go into the fight, you just think this is it. I mean, I don't know how many times, you know, in the, in the first year of marriage, we all thought this isn't going to work. I've made a huge mistake, right? So we're going to fight. So we have to have some rules in place to fight fair, to fight fair, all right? And, and again, so we're trying to pay attention to our hearts because however we fight is the overflow of our of what our hearts really, really want. So here's the rules that, that Robin and I have, have practiced pretty, pretty well, I'd say, on this. And that is when we're fighting, we never call each other names. And I, I, I look back over 34 years, and I think we've done this one pretty well. All right? Robin is, she's my wife. She's sweetie, babe, hun. Now, sometimes she acts very different than that. Um, 
Just because your wife acts bitchy, you can't call her that. Just because I do some really uh, asinine things, um, I'm husband, I'm not an ass, right? Because when you redefine me as something other than husband, other than wife, other than we're in this together, we are two become one joined by God, now I can do something very different to you because you're just a, right? So we don't do that. I'll tell you the one thing I, I remember violating this in my family is I've never, I've, the same thing is true with my kids. I've never called them anything except by their name or by a nickname uh, that's very, very affirming. Uh, they're son and daughter. They're Jordan and Allie. They're babe and Jordo, buddy, whatever that is, okay? The, the one time I violated it, uh, Jordan was 19 and he, he was, uh, I, I caught him in an ongoing lie. He lied to me about something over and over and over and over. So he's lying to me. And in the middle of the heat of the battle, I looked at him and went, you're just a liar. And again, that said, well, that's really, that's nothing. I called my kids much worse. Okay. Uh, I never called Jordan anything except my son. I called him a liar. And we were in our family room and literally his knees buckled and he fell back on the couch. He didn't know what to do with that. You just redefined me. And I knew, I just wounded my, one of the most important people in my life. I just broke their heart. So we don't call each other names, even though we're doing those behaviors. Make sense? Here's another one, and I I can say that we've never done this. Never introduce the D word, and you're in a fight. Don't bring up divorce as an option, a solution, or a threat, even when it's the only thing left to say. Because when you, when, when you, when you say, uh, then just divorce me, or why don't we just get a divorce, or it's a matter of time, just, or, or how about this, a threat, you, you knock it off, or, or I'll, I, I will, I'll get a divorce right now. See, once you, once you speak that out loud, you can't unspeak it. It's now laid on the table as an option. Sometimes when you're fighting, sometimes when I'm fighting, Rob and I have been going at it so hard, I've actually found myself, then why don't you just, I'm not going to go, I'm not going to break that rule. Now, if you're sitting here right now going, we do that all the time. Okay, you can't go upstream. All you have is from this point on. So maybe, maybe your takeaway from today is, so we have to stop calling each other names. We stop, have to stop saying F you. We have to stop throwing divorce as a threat on the table. That's not, we're not going to do that anymore. The other thing is when you fight, and this is some of the work I've been doing uh, in my own heart through, through crucible and stuff like that, is um, when you're fighting, stick to the related data, the facts, rather than jump to story and feelings and generalizations. Uh, mean, meaning this is, uh, what, what happened? What, what's the data? You said you would do this, you didn't do that. You said you would be here, you didn't do that. You said that you would whatever, and then you didn't do that. That's the data. Now, what does that do to you? Well, when you do that, here's how I feel, or here's what I assume. The story I make up about that is really about, about, about this, right? Or how about this? Um, well, you did that, and then I bring in all your history, because you always do that, and you're always like that, and you're just like your mom, and it's just like this, and you're never going to, no, 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 not fair. Not fair. What just happened? What's the data? What's the story you bring up? In your, now, now, here's the other thing. Now take a step back and go, why is this bringing up so much energy? Probably more than it deserves. What is, 
what is that, what he or she, she just did, why is it, what is it really triggering in me? And here's what we looked at a few, a few weeks ago. When you do that, it reminds me of how I felt back here and what happened to me back here that has nothing to do with you, but it makes me feel the same way, so I throw all of that at you, and it's not really your fault. How many fights have we had when we're in the makeup stage, we look back and go, babe, I'm sorry, I was, there's just a bunch of crap going on at work, or I had this fight with this other person, or when you said that, it just, it just brought up all those memories. Great. Not her fault. If you can get on the front end of that rather than throwing it all at her with a bunch of generalizations and stories, uh, if you can get to that before you do that, we can get to the solution a, a lot, 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 lot quicker. See, in that, you have to take responsibility, right? You have to own your part of what's going on in this fight. And then you have to accept and apologize and adjust your part. You cannot adjust her part or his part for your part in the conflict. And then when it's all, you know, like, okay, I have a request. So the next time that this happens, will you do this instead of that? Will you, will you ask me this before you just assume? Will you, will you do something different? And they may say yes and they may say no, but, but at least you can have some hope of understanding and moving forward that you can point back to and say, the data is, is this is what, it, this is what you said and we had an agreement. Help me understand why you broke it. And here's probably the biggest one that would just save a lot of marriages, I think, is this. I was going to say if, but it probably should be when. If it gets heated, and sometimes it gets heated, doesn't it? Take a time out in the next word, and then re-engage. And that's really, really important. It's not take a time out. Okay, stop. Let's don't talk about this. I don't want to talk about this. Let's, act, let's just forget about it. Let's just pretend like, like it didn't happen. Let's just move on, and, 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 I'll, be, and I'll be fine. No, 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 no. No, it's, listen, I need to take a time out or I'm going to say some things or do some things that I've done in the past and I don't want to do those anymore. I need a breath. I need to take a walk. I need to just be by myself and just calm down and th- I got to rethink some stuff, right? I want to rethink because I don't want to do it the way I've done it before and then I want to re-engage because listen, if you don't re-engage and you take that anger and you stuff it, it will lead to something worse. I'm fine. Don't worry about it. I'll get over it. Move on. Let's don't talk about it. You just stuff it. I, I, I had a counselor tell me, I put it in a closet. I put it in a closet. It's nothing. It's nothing. It's nothing. And then that closet door starts just bulging, all right? And then my kids or some innocent person walks by, and they do one little thing, and they get the whole avalanche. Now, I'm done. Let me just say this. I, 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 I said um, that, that all, everything I'm going to talk about today, it might or might not uh, apply to you, right? I, I'm not saying that... that my version or our, our, our Robin and I's, our, our opinion or our interpretation of God's truth um, is exactly what you should do with your life and marriage and your situation. I'm, I'm not saying that. I, I would say, say this, all right? Um, if, if you're sitting here right now and you're listening to my voice and as I've gone through these 15 things, it's brought up something in you. And you're sitting here right now, and you're just really, you're, you're, you're pissed off, I'll be honest with you. You're, you're defensive, you're angry, um, you're, you, got, you have some resentment. You're really hating me right now. Or, and you're thinking stuff like that. That's so easy for you to say, Pastor Jim. You're, 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 your life, I bet your life is easy. You've never really had to face anything really tough in, in your life or in your marriage. Okay, so, um, so I'm going to be really honest with you. If you were to say that to me, you don't understand. You've never had anything hard happen in your life. A couple things come to mind, all right? And they all violate <laughs> everything I've been teaching about the Sermon on the Mount. I'm going to get really, really angry. 
all right? Because what Robin and I have faced and how hard we have worked, every statistic says we should be divorced. Every statistic say, says that one of us should be dead by now, right? So, so when you dismiss and say, you don't really have real problems, and we do this to one another all the time. You're just doing it to me right now because I'm in the middle of the stage right now. Um, here's what, if you do that to another person, I'm, I'm, I'm going to call you a name. I'm going to redefine you very different than what God says that you are. And then I'm going to break something we're going to look at. I'm going to slap you on this cheek and then I'm going to slap you on the other cheek. And then I'm going to go probably for your throat. Because for you to question my, my life and Robin and my, our story, right, um, that you don't know anything about, you don't know everything about everybody else's marriage that you throw stones at, right? You, 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 you dismiss something that you don't really understand. By, by definition, that just makes you, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna be really careful here, um, an ass, and that's contemptuous. But, in, in, I mean, this is what, a stubborn, closed-minded, uh, judgmental person, and... And part of me that still needs to change wants to punish you. And this is how we feel, right? When somebody looks at it and goes, you don't really have problems. You don't to, then something boils up and suddenly goes, you, you just want to back away. Let me just say this. You, you, you don't know my life and I don't know your life. But I will say this. You can't compare your life to somebody else's assumed life as your excuse to continue to screwing up your life and making bad decisions. Well, you don't really understand, so I'm going to keep on hurting her. I'm going to keep on, you know, undermining him. I'm going to keep on breaking up our marriage because my life's harder than yours. I get it. So let me close with this. All right, if you don't like my plan, if you don't like Jim and Robin's 15 rules for marriage, all right, so what are yours? What are your rules? What are your guardrails? What, what's your strategy for your marriage or your marriage that you hope to be in one day? And, and, and how are they working out for you? And if things keep going the way they're going, downstream, right, married or single, does that stream lead you to the, to the marriage and the life that you said that you wanted? What's, what's your strategy? What, what do you want? What's the vision for your life? Now, listen, I'm, I'm not going to tell you what it ought to be. I'm not going to tell you what you should do. I'm, I'm going to throw out this is... Um, this, this is probably those one of the things. When Jesus says, based on what he says is real and true and works, based on what he says will provide and protect for you because he loves you and wants you to experience a good life, would you be willing this week? Here's all your homework, all right? And again, we're going to work through this in groups, but you can work through this with another person to write down what your vision is. What's your, what do you want for your marriage? Where do you want to be a year from now, five years from now, 10 years from now? And, and, and you know what, if you go, I, I, don't, I don't think I can ever make it to Rome. I don't think I can ever have that kind of marriage. So I'm going to go for something. I get it. But if you aim for Rome, if you aim for this marriage that, God, that Jesus described and you don't make it, um, you're at least going in the right direction. If you aim for this and, and you make it, Jesus says it's, it's, it's not as good as it could have been. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do. One is, would you look at what you've been holding on to going, this is life, this is marriage, this is relationship, this is sexuality, this is my plan. How's it working for you? Lay it beside what Jesus says is better. And would you be willing to rethink how it looks moving forward? I'm, I'm going to push it another. Um, if, 
one, get in a group, and, and, and we're going to talk about this, but if you're married or if you're dating, I just gave you 15 things to talk about on your next date night, uh, on your next, uh, there's nothing on TV, what do you want to do? Let's just go through those communication things. Let's just go through those, I have hopes, but I, I've turned them into expectations. Um, hey, I have kids and you have kids. We got married and now we have these kids. Well, how are we going to do this and have a marriage? I just want something better. The question is not when can we get a divorce? How far can we go before we screw things up? The question Jesus wants you to rethink is what do you want? What is better? And what's going on in your heart? And what needs to change in your heart so that maybe someday we have something good? I'm going to pray and... Uh, and then uh, we'll, we'll worship together and let's just go home and think. So God, in this moment right now, um, a lot of emotion, I'm sure. It might be anger. It might be uh, frustration. It might be confirmation. We're doing something right. We felt like we were the only couple even trying to hang on to that, but we're doing something right. Um, God, I, I know you want us uh, to experience goodness and love you want us to experience uh, this wonderful life, abundant life. Um, but to get there, it might hurt. I heard someone say one time, uh, you don't want us to feel good. You want us to be good. And God, if it, if it, if it hurts our pride and it hurts our ego, if it hurts our feelings, but it leads to something better, then God revealed to us what needs to change in our hearts. That's all we could hope for is that you'll change our hearts into something better so that what comes out of us leads to something better. God, I pray for every marriage represented here. I pray for every single person that's trying to hang on to you, every married couple that's trying to hang on to you, and every divorced person that's trying to hang on to you right now. There is no judgment. There is no shame. There is no guilt. There is just forgiveness and grace, and there's just from now on. And that's what, we, that's what you have to pay attention to. I want something better. And so from this point on downstream, God, uh, I want to follow you. We, I pray this over every relationship. Listen to my voice right now. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.